Hello, I'm Alma Schneider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mother of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. And I am Iris Miller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and the proud mother of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising children with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms, No Fluff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Moms, No Fluff, the podcast in which we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Thank you for our listeners who are joining us today for the first time and those who've been with us for a long, long journey so far. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, the podcast is obviously a mutual effort between Alma Schneider, my friend here, and myself, Iris Miller. And we're so happy uh, to have a guest speaker here with us today. And I would let our guest introduce herself. Her name is Laura Hernandez, and she is the developer of Mama's System. And I let uh, Laura, if you don't mind, introducing yourself. Yeah, not at all. I'm so grateful to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Laura, and my husband, Tony, and I live in Dallas, Texas area. And we have 10 kiddos, and three of those are adopted from foster care and have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And we can chat more about that later, but kind of in our chaos of going from four kids to 10 kids, somewhere in there, we felt pretty overwhelmed. And so we had to figure out systems that worked for our family. And in that process, I realized that those systems really brought us peace and enjoyment. And I was able to engage with my kids on a level that I haven't been able to before. And so after I kind of realized that I feel like I had like found the magic sauce and I wanted to share it with everybody, which is why I started Mama Systems. Great. Now 10 kids. So did anything happen between the four and the 10? I know that yes, have you had three adopted, but um I'm just curious what uh <laughs> trying to do math on that. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> can you just tell us a little bit about that before I ask the the yes. question I won't ask you. Um, Yeah. So we had three biological children. And after our third, my husband said, you know what, if we're going to adopt, we knew that that was in our future. We both wanted to adopt. Mm -hmm. He said, if we're going to adopt, we probably should do it now because if we accidentally have another one, like, I don't know if we're (laughs) going to be able to have any more. Like, I don't know if I'm going to want to adopt anymore if we have another biological. So I said, okay, let's do it. So we went um, to a class at our church that was all about adoption. And they told us all the ins and outs of all the different things. And Um, I had really wanted to adopt from Africa and he really wanted to adopt from China. And they said, do not move forward until you're on the same page. Mm -hmm. And so we kept sitting through the class and it wasn't until the foster care, foster care panel got up on the last, one of the last nights and started talking about foster care. And we both looked at each other and said, oh crap, this is what we're supposed to do. We just knew that that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we started that whole journey and Andrew came to to live with us on when he was three days old. So straight from the hospital to our house. And he stayed with us until he was eight months old. After he left, we had another biological child. So we were up to four. Mm -hmm. He went back to his mom. She had two more. We had moved up to Seattle and had one more. And so we had five, she had three. Her three were taken away. 
And within that six month period from when we had our fifth biological, we then had the other three too. So we went from four kids to eight kids in less than six months. Wow. Um, and wow. There, a lot of little people, a lot of little people, we had five, four and under all in diapers. Wow. And it was very much, we were living in survival mode. And I know if you're doing the math that that does not make sense because we're only well, up to eight. But yeah, we'll get to that. I think we're going to get to that in a bit. I just wanted to know how the jump from four to all right. So let me ask you the original question I was going to ask you because I do. I think everybody wants to hear how this how this transpired. Um, it's really incredible. Uh, but what? Uh, I guess the question is after having so many kids. I'll ask this question. Maybe it should be asked. What was it like before? But what are the what are the um, best parts of having? It sounds like you have 10 kids at the moment. What is the best part of having so many children? Um, I think that they always have a playmate is the best part. Like nobody ever has a reason to be bored around here. I don't think any child in America ever has a reason to be bored, but um, for sure, my kids always have a playmate. They mm -hmm. always have someone to play with and they can go do whatever they want. And I, I don't know, we just, we don't do play dates anymore because- you don't need to. We don't need to. So that's yeah. so great. I love that. I love that they're each other's best friends. That's great. That's and great. I wanted to like uh, ask, what are the challenges of having so many children? Like uh, I, I, I know that uh, you kind of turned lemons into lemonade with creating Mama's system, but can you tell us a little bit about the challenges in, in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, there's, um, it's something that I did not know I was signing up for when we adopted and when we um, had biological children was all the different disabilities that we were taking on. Um, we have two that are on the spectrum, like two of our biologicals that are on the spectrum for sure. And another one that I'm kind of suspicious of. Um, and then our three with FASD. So all of those things just come with a lot of unknowns. And I feel like that just different circumstances bring out different factors of all of that at any moment and any time. And you can't really prepare for those things. So I think that's been the most challenging thing is making sure everybody's needs are being met in their specific disability. And when you said FASD, that's fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, right? It's fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Spectrum disorder. So fetal alcohol syndrome falls under the spectrum, but only 8% of kids in the U.S. I, I make up that these kind of can be expanded to the world, right? Um, mm -hmm. Have the actual facial features of FAS. Okay. And so the FASD is a whole spectrum of learning differences. Like it's a whole body disorder. So okay. it's much more common than, than we give it credit for. Yeah. Yeah. With all the alcohol in this world and yeah. being legal. Um, okay, so you you touched on it a little bit, um, but can you talk a little bit about what the, because it sounds like you had originally had intended to adopt uh, from another country, and then you decided, I'm assuming from, well, from the United States, you did, you went through the foster care system. Can you talk a little bit, I know that it's probably enough for five episodes, but just a little bit about the process of adopting through foster care, what your experience at least was like. Yeah, so we had to get licensed first. So that's a slew of classes, background checks, paperwork, um, home studies. And it's been so long that I'm sure there's so many other things that I can't remember right now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of books we had to read. And once we were certified, then your home is what they call open. And so 
when we have an open home, that means we're accepting children. And, you know, we've kind of, we kind of gave them an age range of like, we wanted under three years old and we wanted a girl and we were willing to do X, Y, and Z. Like you kind of put in all your criteria, I think with most adoption routes, Mm -hmm. you do that same thing. Um, And then they start calling you. And often it has nothing to do with what you put down on your piece of paper. (laughs) So (laughs) you might put down a girl 12 months or younger, and they might call you with a 15 year old boy, you know, Um, just because they need homes and they need people to be willing to say yes. Mm -hmm. So we had gotten a few calls. And so how that works is there's a whole system. So a kid comes up that needs a, a placement And there's a whole system of licensed foster care families in the area. And so whoever the caseworker is for this child is then going to the system and calling, kind of putting out a bolo saying like, hey, we need a family who you got. And then those agencies will call their families and say, hey, are you willing to take this kid? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't hurry and say yes, fast enough, then the kid could go somewhere else, right? So that's kind of our process. We got called with the injury at four in the morning. Um, and we were the first ones to say yes. And yeah, yeah he's placed with us. And then they have to stay in your home for a year and different States have different things. And, but they have to be in your home for a year before you can adopt. Mm-hmm. And then they have all these different ways of, um, finalizing termination so finding out if there's a father involved, finding out if there's any other relatives who want to take the child um, because reunification and sticking with family is always the goal. Right. How, how is that experience for you as a mother and already having your biological children? I wanted to ask you, how was that emotionally for you going through that process with the uh, children from foster care? It depends on what point in time you're referring to, because I feel like it's a roller coaster of all the emotions, you know, at any point in time. Um, So at the very beginning, it was ecstatic and wonderful. And we had this precious newborn that we absolutely adored. And oh my goodness, who wouldn't love snuggling up with a little baby, right? And so we just, we, I mean, we all loved him so much. Um, We all still do love him so much, but just that little baby that we just adore. Fast forward eight months later when he's going back to his biological mom. And I really didn't think that that was the best place for him. I didn't think that he was safe there. And um, CPS standards for living are very different than my standards for living. Healthily and safely and all of those things are very different. And so- Yes, sorry, CPS, Child child Protective Services, correct? Yes, I'm so sorry. Yes, Child Protective Services. Perfect. so yeah, it, it just, it was really hard because I didn't feel like he was going back to a safe place. And it was like my baby, I was like sending him off to, so I really had to then detach and try to be as not connected as possible um, so that I could be okay and I could still be a mama. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I just worried and like, I mean, a million different emotions at all times. Yeah, it's not not for the faint of heart, this whole process, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. 
And that leads me to kind of a, a next question. We touched on it a little bit about a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Can you please explain to our listeners what it is, how it manifests itself, and, and just a general orientation to what a, a day in a life with a child with the, with the FAS looks like? Yeah, this is also a very loaded question because there's, you know, there is research out there, but there needs to be a lot more research done on how alcohol completely affects babies in utero. Um, so there's no, you might read some places like two glasses of wine a week or three shots of whiskey on a Tuesday. I mean, just all the different, like this could be it, but really that's why they say no amount of alcohol is safe because they don't really know. Um, it's, it's like the baby is brined in alcohol. So if you can just have that visual of like when you brine a turkey and all of those juices and everything go all the way through the turkey and, whew, and it makes the whole turkey juicy and wonderful and lovely, um, alcohol does the same with our babies. And so when we have a baby in utero and they're just brining in that alcohol, the alcohol is affecting every single part of their being. And so depending on the child, um, because there's so many different ways that this manifests itself. I mean, there's so many different ways, but there are physical things. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to talk about my kids. Cause that's what I know. So mm-hmm. Matthew has GI issues where he's 11 years old and still struggling, um, with different things. I thought we were done with the GI, but now we're going back to the GI because, and, and we don't need to talk about his, um, all that that entails, but I'm hoping that everyone kind of can gather what, <laughs> what that's uh, two, a GI two. He has a feeding. No. Oh, um, yeah, sorry. So the GI doctor. So he, okay. Yeah. He has income income I'm always nervous. I'm saying that word wrong, but it's basically um, oozing out the stool. Yeah. It's yes. gross. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of mental health issues as well. Um, I read a study recently that was like 60% of the people seeking out mental health services were actually FASD people. Really? So I cannot quote that study. And if you want me to look it up, I can, but um, there's just a lot of mental health things. So with our kids, that looks like bipolar. It looks like schizophrenia, um, depression, anxiety, ADD. Like there's just a lot. Hmm. So on a very practical level, just if, just so you can kind of get your minds around it, it is often misdiagnosed for autism. It's often misdiagnosed for bipolar. Um, mm-hmm. All three of ours have very low IQs. And so when I first learned about, I know that you guys and your audience is probably way more skilled than this, but I had never been around special needs, anything in my life. Um, and so we had done a scan and they were talking about slow processing speed. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Like what, what? And he gave him the diagnosis of IDD. And I was like, oh, okay. I, and I like acted like I knew what it was, but it wasn't until I went home and saw that, oh, that's the new terminology for mental retardation. Like I had a, had a peg in my brain for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that whole, I mean, everything is just so challenged by it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it makes it so much harder because so many people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. There's such a stigma around it. Um, no, I won't say no doctor, but we had to go to California. Like that's a trip. We had to get in a plane, fly somewhere else. And Texas is pretty big. Yeah. 
to go find a doctor who could give us a diagnosis, which mm-hmm. I find to be the most ridiculous thing in the whole world. Yeah. Personal opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. That's a lot. I didn't realize how it it uh, was so pervasive in the body. Um, how so? You have many children. You have many children with different types of challenges. So it sounds like you moved forward and I'm wondering how you got to the point where you said, I need to create a system that is gonna make my life easier or was it a slow gradual process? Can you tell us a little bit about how, how Mama Systems, your, your company started? Yeah, so I, it was kind of, like one of the pluses I like to say of having so many kids is that mm-hmm. I'm just very aware of my inability to be able to do it all. You know, um, I know that I need help mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I've gotten there quicker than a lot of moms, because I think when you have a couple or even four, you might think I can do this. Like I got all this and you might be cocky and proud like I was, but when you jump in and there's like all these children, you're like, Oh my God. I just raised my hand. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it, it just, all of a sudden you're like, I, I need something else. Like I need to figure this out. Right. It brings you to a place of desperation of trying yes. to figure things out and asking for help and looking for mm-hmm. systems to put in place. Mm-hmm. And so um, those are the people I love working with because it's such a night and day difference when you are able to get things in place in your home and mm-hmm. able to really help your family thrive and help yourself thrive. Um, so I started out just kind of, I like to think of it as like laying all, all the pieces on the table for a puzzle, right. Mm-hmm. And looking at all of them, turning them all over, figuring out what I wanted in my life, what I wanted for my kids, what was actually happening and what I wanted to actually happen and kind of having all of those pieces in play and then trying to piece them together in the most efficient, effective way possible. And so once that happened, there would be so many nights I'd be sitting up with my feet. The house would be clean. The, I mean, it, it would feel like magic because I'm like, there's like 10 kids in the other room. It should feel chaotic. And, you know, cause they're not all grown and gone. They're all here with me. Right. Um, but I would be sitting in a house that was peaceful and that felt amazing. And that was like, I want to share this with other moms. And once I started helping some of my friends, it's like, I really enjoy this. Like, I really enjoy trying to figure out how we're going to make all the therapies work and let's piece them together. How are we going to get the drivers? How are we going to get the help? How are we going to get like our little village that we need? And so that's kind of become my passion. I love, love, love helping moms. I get to coach them um, one-on-one and then do online courses and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And we get get to talk about all different kinds of systems and not so much like my system is going to work for you because no Mm -hmm. system it's going to work for two people the same way. Like it's just not. And so I'm going to walk you through the process that I walked through to help figure out systems for my home. And that same process will help you figure out the best systems for your home. So I want to ask how, how are you able to work with parents and keep your household running with so many children? And I think if I read correctly on your website that uh, many of them are homeschooled. Yes, we actually just put some in public school. So I need to, I definitely need to correct that. But um, we have three here right now that are homeschooling and they're all bigger kids. And so they can kind of do their own thing. Um, so I don't, I don't do much with them. <laughs> Secret. Um, the goal. And, <laughs> and then our three that 
have special needs have been in public school the whole time because I just very quickly realized that our family needs a break um, from just the heightenedness of their energy, I guess. And um, that I just am not equipped to, to teach them and other, other special needs mamas may feel completely different. Like they are the number one person to teach their kids. And I hear that. And I love that. I just know I was not, um, that was not my gifting. Yeah, so, in a way also the system, yeah, and the system is set in such a way that it's much easier to get the services and all the services and equipment for children with special needs if they are a part of the special education system. Mm-hmm. I can tell you from the other angle how hard it is, obviously, when, when you're not a part of the education system to get what is so easily and readily available in special ed. Yes, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So you were wise enough to take that off your plate and to deal with the things that you could deal with. So that is a gift that you were aware of that. Um, for people who um, need a, an immediate uh, fix, <laughs> what would you say are the most useful tips, just a couple of them that you would tell parents to make their lives easier if they have a lot of kids or if they have just one kid who's very challenging, what, what, what comes to mind is something that's really a very useful tip that you've found really help a lot of people. Yeah, I think rhythms and routines, and I would put my money on an evening routine more than anything, because that evening routine is going to foster you into the next morning as well. And so Mm -hmm. you have these bookends on each day that really allow you to create peace in your home. And so the, the messy middle is always okay. But then having those bookends that help you wake up to peace and then go to bed with peace is a beautiful thing. And so very simply, um, I we, how we do it, let me just tell you that and then you can get your ideas from there. We have five o'clock jobs at our house and those five o'clock jobs, a timer or alarm goes off at our house. So everyone hears it. <laughs> everyone knows it's five o'clock and I go into the kitchen and start doing dinner. The kids will start doing their chores and Every kid has a zone that they're in charge of. So an item like Lego or a living room or pillows around the house, like whatever the thing is, every kid has a thing. Every kid has a job to help get ready for dinner. So it could be putting forks on the table. It could be um, help watching the baby while I'm getting dinner ready. Like just whatever that is, however we can get dinner on the table. We're working together as a team to do that. And then finally getting ready for the next day. So making lunches, laying out clothes, packing backpacks, getting all of that done. So that way in the morning we are ready to rock and roll and we're not searching for a pair of shoes or a barrette or, you know, whatever that is. And so having that alarm set has been life-changing for me because I I forget that it's five o'clock and seven o'clock. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's bedtime. And I haven't fed anybody yet. You know, like, oh, what do we do? And it just breeds this chaos and this uncertainty. But if I'm on top of things and I, I hit, I don't hit them, but I, I get to, I get to the punch before they actually get hungry. And if I can feed their bellies, like that helps lessen all of that agitation and um, just kind of planning it out in a way that made sense for us. So I think that's yeah. my number one tip. Everything it sounds like what you're saying is that everything affects everything else. So if you start the process and, and get it all under control, then you're going to have a lot less chaos happening. And let me just ask, um, I know Iris has another question, but what is the age range of your kids from 
Yeah, our youngest is three and our oldest is six. She's going to be 17 tomorrow, actually. Wow, congratulations. Yes, that's yeah. good. You have some older ones. I feel a little relieved right now that you have some older ones watching the young ones. Okay, Iris, what did you want to ask? <laughs> yeah, I have a question. What would you or could you, if you could, tell yourself when you were younger about what's about to come in terms of your life experience? Any advice you would give your younger self? Yeah, it's okay to ask for help. I think oh. that that's been such a big... I mean, it's been such a big lesson for me and it's taken me a long time to learn it, which is never, if I could have told myself that, wouldn't that be great? Um, and asking for help from friends and family and my husband and my kids. From your calendar, Amelia. So good, huh? Love Alexa. Um, oh, yeah, so. You just made my day. Oh, <laughs> So oh, embarrassed. Okay. It's all good. Okay. She goes off all the time in my house. <laughs> okay. Focus. I have no idea what I'm saying. You we were, were talking about an advice to yourself. And yes. you were very smartly saying something that we always talk about in this podcast is the ability yeah. to ask for help. And it's, I think, a learned skill, nonetheless, yeah. than something that you have mm -hmm. to practice and learn how to do. But I'll let you continue on with why this is a golden advice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So even asking for help from, like, in receiving help from our county and just different mm -hmm. programs, there's so much pride there for me and not mm -hmm. wanting to accept those things. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, bring me all the help in the world, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm no yeah. fool now, but... I can't believe how much I struggled with that. Pride is a very dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that, that that's a, a theme for a lot of people. And once we get over it and think about, you know, keeping our eyes on the prize, which is keeping as calm and stress-free as possible and our kids happy, safe, well-fed, all of those things, then it's an easier, it's easier to get through those feelings of, you know, shame or, in asking, you know, asking for help. So thank you for sharing that because we we are in full agreement of that and uh, <laughs> try to try to champion that that sentiment all the time because it's really true. You know, there's no shame in asking for help, and it's usually the the wisest people who realize, wow, you know, this is going to be better for all of us if we get this help. Yeah. Is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to share? Uh, we definitely want to get your Mama Systems info, and we're going to be posting that when um, the episode airs. But is there anything, anything else you'd like to share yeah. about what you do or how it's been for you? Or I would love just to encourage mamas to take care of themselves. I think that um, as special needs moms, we often will be the martyr and put ourselves very last, and mm -hmm. um, I, I have to remind myself that this is a marathon. Like I will mm -hmm. most likely have people living with me for the rest of their lives. And um, that's a lot. Like that's, I, I can't imagine trying to do everything all the time all by myself and not taking care of myself yeah. forever. Mm -hmm. um, and important. so like, yeah, to show up for the best for them. I know mm -hmm. I take care of myself. I have a free self-care guide that I would love to share with you guys um, and with your audience. And it kind of walks you through how to create a plan for self-care. So really figuring out what fills you up because we all have different things that fill us up, right? Like when I, when I think of self-care will not be the same as you and 
that's wonderful and lovely because we're all so different. Um, but really figuring out what will work for you and embracing mm-hmm. your plan and then being able to ask for help in that plan is a huge piece too. So the guide just kind of walks you through all of that. Great. And is that an ebook or what is that? How is that? It's kind of like an e-guide. So I'll, I'll send the link to you and you can put it in the notes. We will absolutely share with our audience. Well, thank you so much. You are a very inspiring woman and I appreciate, we both do, and I'm sure we all do, that you're willing to share all the things you've learned on your journey. We all need as much help as we can get. And um, thank you for, for doing what you're doing. So welcome. Thank you, Laura. It's been a pleasure and I'm so happy you were here today and uh, that we can share the wisdom with other moms as well. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck <laughs> at uh, the, I guess, rest of this interesting journey and uh, for all of us that are in this forever motherhood. Um, I just want to send you positive energies and hoping that uh, we can still get in touch and learn from you more as we continue on. Thank you for joining us today and thank you for all of our listeners for joining us again and we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much. Have a great week. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.